Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I am your host, Charlie Pacello, and uh, we've got a great show for you today. And I just uh, want to thank KUHSDenver.com for hosting the council. Uh, without them, this show wouldn't be possible. And we broadcast the best shows, the best programs here in Denver, Colorado, all around the country, all around the nation. We are being listened to by people from all over the world. And we are just grateful for all of you. The show is uh, continues, the numbers continue to rise, and it's because of you. And so thank you for trusting in the, uh, in the, in the council to bring you the best shows possible and to bring you shows that are meaningful, that have uh, a sense of hope. We try to bring hope to, on this show, to try to bring people the sense that we belong together in a community and together in a, uh, in a world community and that uh, the people that, are, that come on here share their stories to help inspire you and give you a sense that you don't have to stay stuck in wherever you're, whatever challenges, whatever trials, whatever tragedies may have happened to you. I do want to make a couple quick announcements. Um, I will be next week in Las Vegas at the 5D conference. Uh, we've got an international conference symposium on consciousness and higher uh, spirituality and helping people to come together and build a new humanity and build uh, a consensus of people coming together from all walks of life to help bridge us to a new dawn, a new way of living. So please uh, check it out at 5devents.com. That's www.5devents.com. And if you're in the Las Vegas area, come. Uh, I'll be presenting and uh, we'll be among the guests there. And there's going to be a great, great, great weekend. You can still buy tickets uh, if you are interested in coming. Also, in the next few weeks, I, have, I will be publishing my first book. It's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. And uh, keep an eye out for it. It's, uh, it's to help us to reconnect with our souls in a deeper way, a more mystical, meaningful way. Uh, I think that one of the things that we need to do is to be able to connect to our moral compass. And by listening and connecting to these ancient masters and, and connecting to what they were, the lessons that they had for us can really infuse our life with the very things, the values uh, that we need to, to move forward together. Now, today's show is going to be focused on domestic violence. Domestic violence causes far more pain than the visible marks of bruises and scars. It is devastating to be abused by someone you love and thinks loves you in return. Why do people abuse? Why do abusers abuse? That's a big question. Now, 90% of all abusers have been abused themselves, 90%. So a lot of times this happens when they're in their youth, in their childhood. And this stuff gets passed down through the generations. Abused people abuse people. Damaged people damage people. And harm people harm people. It's really important to get that. When I do my classes for people who are going through divorce and separation, and I try to get them to understand when you're in these dysfunctional relationship patterns, you're very often going to be playing three different roles. You're either going to be playing the abuser, you're either going to be playing the victim or you're going to play the rescuer. Now, if you're playing the abuser, what happens is very often is you watched in your family system. Maybe you had an alcoholic mother or an alcoholic father, for example, and you watched that dynamic happen. And maybe you got abused while that, that dynamic was playing out. 
you got hit, you got injured, you got abused in some way. And it forces that person to suddenly want to protect that vulnerability. And they end up forming a false self in order to protect that, that part of themselves that has been damaged and injured. And what ends up happening is, is that when they become older, they end up getting into an intimate partner relationship and form that same dynamic. And then they become the alcoholic and now they're the abuser. So they're passing on the pain that they had experienced in their lives onto the people, to the person that they're with, and sometimes very often their children. And that's how these things get passed down generationally. Or you play the victim. And in that such dynamic, you watch what was happening with mom and dad. You end up were victimized by it, and then you find somebody else who, amazingly, has the same personality, same dynamics, the same problem. They are an alcoholic, and you become victimized by that. Or you can play the rescuer. And in the rescuer, you saw what was going on between mom and dad, and now you get into an interpersonal relationship that this person has those same qualities and characteristics, and now you are trying to save them. That if I love them just enough, if I stand with them, if I'm, if I'm beside them enough, that I can withstand the storms that they have. I can love them beyond their pain. I can love them beyond their, their, their suffering. I can get to a place where that they will know that I, you know, I'm going to be there for them through thick and thin. And you, if you play the rescuer role, you will take a beating. You will take a beating in this because it's not your job to fix anybody. But we make that mistake because subconsciously, deep in our unconscious, we, we were trying to rescue one of our parents. And it's your recognition that you're, you are only responsible for yourself. You're only responsible for your own emotional health and well-being. You do not deserve to be abused by anybody. And this in, uh, includes physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, economic abuse, anything that keeps you from being who you are. You need to be loved for who you are, not what somebody else wants you to be. And it's very, very difficult and challenging to be able to overcome these kinds of abuses. You know, there's a woman, there's a story of a woman in this book, and I uh, was talking about it on the last show. It's called Beyond Forgiveness. And it is about reflections on atonement, healing the past, making amends, and restoring balance in our lives and world. And there's a story in here about a woman, and it, it's one of the most amazing stories uh, in here. And she was able to forgive her father uh, for having sexually abused her when she, from about age seven to uh, her teenage years. And it took a lot for her to be able to do that. And she started recognizing that the abuse was affecting her. It was affecting her ability to raise her children, affecting her, like the, the ripple effects from the past were, were, were following through and coming into uh, how she was relating with other people and how she, was, how she was raising her kids and she was short-tempered and she was angry and she was taking out on other people what had happened to her. And that often happens. That's it often happens that way. And so being able to say, you know what, I, didn't, I couldn't change what happened to what happened. You know, as a child, she was completely innocent. But as an adult, she was responsible for what she was doing to other people that had nothing to do with them, had nothing to do with her children. So she engaged in these steps of atonement and forgiveness and was able to um, 
Take these experiences and turn it into wisdom. Take these experiences and turn it into a blessing in helping other women who have been sexually abused and moving into a, a place where they could get, live a happy life. They can, uh, didn't have to live in that pain anymore. And one of the processes that she used was being able to atone with her dad, which was really hard. It was really hard for her to do. And it was when she was atoning with her father that she realized that her father had been abused when he, sexually abused when he was a child. And so she started to see that the victim was the abuser and the abuser was the victim. And it, there, there was a way for that atonement to happen. Forgiveness is the first process, the first step. And then atonement was the next step. And that's moving into action. That's moving into making amends as far as you can make amends with for the people who have injured you so that you can be your best. And today she is, uh, she's a happy, uh, jubilant, loving, kind woman. And if you would see her, you wouldn't even recognize that this had happened to her. That's just one example of how the process can work. Healing can happen. It is not a permanent condition. It can be something that can be overcome and you have to be able to find the resources and the people who can help you to be able to overcome these horrible, horrible, horrible experiences. Today we honor all women. Today we honor all women who have ever been abused, who ever had experienced any kind of domestic violence, who have ever experienced any kind of uh, assault, sexual assault, uh, and it's, it's, you know, the, the council is honored to have these people here today to share with you and to talk about, you know, this very important issue that uh, we need to face as a culture, as a society, and as a nation. And so, without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you my very, very special and esteemed guest, uh, Tiffany Anderson uh, and Valerie Renville. Renville. Valerie Renville. Thank you both for being on the show Thank today. You. Thanks for having us. Yes. You're welcome. And uh, make sure that uh, we, we uh, close enough just to the mic <laughs> so that uh, everybody can hear you because sometimes uh, right. we, uh, um, you know, that sometimes the sound needs to be adjusted. So, but could you tell just a little bit about about your backgrounds and why you are so passionate about this work? Go ahead, Tiffany. Yes, okay. go ahead. Um, well, I was in the medical field for 19 years, and during that time, I suffered domestic violence within my marriage that I had. Um, and so my passion after being coming a survivor um, was to help other women, mm -hmm. to, to be, help them have a voice, help them get to where I am this day, to have a life and be happy. And so I am thankful that really good girlfriend came in my life and <laughs> blessed me with this. So it's kind of an emotional thing for me. But, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> well, thank you for being so open and vulnerable and uh, being able to share your story with people. Uh, as, you know, it's not easy. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, as, a, as a human being and as a man, it's not easy to watch uh, people that I see and know mm -hmm. how, how, how they've been hurt. And it's one of the things we learn, the lessons from people suffering. Mm -hmm. And when people are able to share their stories in meaningful ways, we grow. But we have to listen. We have to hear the right. stories. We just do. Right. My story's a little different in the sense that I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. 
And even though I had a very um, strong sense of survival, um, I ended up just losing my self-esteem to um, looking for completeness in other in men. And so it was a long road of that. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, in my current marriage, I've been married once before. In my current marriage, I didn't realize that that lack of self-esteem, I was looking for someone to fill that. Mm-hmm. And my current husband, even though he always esteemed me, he had issues himself that came out in anger and started with some physical, but was able to put that aside, but just had no emotional connection unless it was an anger or sarcasm. And so a lot of it had to do with me feeling complete in who I am and having more self-esteem. And that really came from me personally when I got into a relationship with Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. because then I began to see who I was. Mm -hmm. And I began to see that this was not his his idea of a marriage, the fighting, the yelling, the, the trying to do everything you can to make that person feel better and caring. I mean, I knew why he was the way he was. So again, that nurturing, maybe I can be the rescuer and I can help him. But I realized that it came to the point where I cannot be his savior. And we are still married and we are still working on it. So this is a process of hope for us. Mm -hmm. And my husband has finally owned what he has done. And it is is in a spot where he really wants to work on the hurt that he's caused. And so my role is to be there and pray that I can continue to be healed and forgive Mm -hmm. so we can go forward as he begins this process as well. So we're still working through that. Well, you know, and it's so hard for us who have, uh, you know, who have hurt people, you know, uh, along the way to come to grips with that. It's very easy to point out when somebody else has done something to us. It's it's very easy. You know, we can point out when somebody's done wrong. But when we have been the perpetrator, when we have done the damage to people, that's one of the hardest things. And it's one of the most important things that we can do is because I think uh, owning our own shadow is one of the highest moral things that we can do for for everyone. It is our darkness. It is our um, evil, if you want to call it that way. It is the part of us that wants to hurt. It is a part of us that is the predator. Vengeance is the predator in you. It, it's in all of us. The one who wants to retaliate, the one that wants to be the victim, that wants to be vindictive, that wants to hurt. And so giving the grips of that is so, so big for men. Yes. And, and, so, and for some women, too, right. you know. What is domestic violence? What is domestic violence? To me? Yes. Any abuse, physical, emotional, verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that wants to control your life. Mm-hmm. Um, demeanor you, put you down, make you feel like you're inadequate for anybody in this world to love you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my definition of it. I agree. Anybody yeah. who wants to control manipulate, dominate, uh, force their way onto you, right. and they will use any means available to them in order to do it. Right. You know, and it's uh, <clears throat> the actual definition according to the NC, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, is that domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. And this includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, and emotional and psychological abuse. The frequency and severity of domestic violence varies dramatically. And these are just some of the statistics. In the United States, an average of 20 people experience intimate partner personal violence, physical violence every minute. 
This equates to more than 10 million abuse victims annually. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner uh, contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, or contraction of sexually transmitted diseases. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. And one in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. We've got to do something about it. It's staggering. It is staggering. And in another uh, statistics, uh, the National Network to End Domestic Violence found that the U.S. domestic violence programs served 72,245 victims and answered 20,352 crisis hotline calls in one day alone. One day. That's a lot. It's way too much. Is it difficult for victims to escape the marriage or relationship with their abusers? Yes, very difficult. Why? Well, I think, too, it comes from a position of, you know, as a woman especially, what you know, that nurturing or trying to figure out was I worth it or what did I do? When you're always looking, what can I, if I change something, maybe it'll change him. And really, that can't be the case. We can never change somebody else. They have to be wanting to change and they have to recognize what they're doing. And many times that they don't and they can't. So what has to happen is, you need to be able to speak it out. You, so often we feel it's our fault. We feel like, what have we done? And we hide it from other people. And that, I think, is the worst thing we can do, is we hide. For me, that was what helped start to bring healing, is when I finally said, I need help. I can't live in this. We projected such a, a wonderful veneer, and then, but behind, the walls were crumbling. And so by starting to share this little by little and God bringing other people into my life that I was hearing their stories that was breaking, I realized there was part of me in that. And so by speaking out, it allowed both my husband and I to come to that recognition. That doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for that. But most often, a lot of stories end up that you as a woman have to recognize you have the power to change that person to be what you hoped he would be. And you have to get help. And that's what we want to do. But your question is, is it hard for them to escape? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Though it's the hardest thing in the world. Yes. Because they have demeanored you. They have made you feel awful. Mm -hmm. They made you feel nobody else in the world is going to love you. It's just going to be me. They make you feel horrible. Mm -hmm. They exclude you from your friends. They exclude you from Mm -hmm. your family. And all in all, all you have left is yourself. So, yes, it's very. I have many friends, many family. Why couldn't you leave? It's the hardest question to answer. And then there's, uh, there's shame attached to it yes. as well. Yes. My gosh, you feel like you're, there's something wrong with you. My gosh, uh, you know, I, sh- I can see these signs. I can see that all the, these red flags, and yet there's yes. part. And so you feel ashamed because mm-hmm. you can't leave something like this, and you don't know why. And so it adds to this cycle of, you know, of, of self-recrimination, and, and you're abusing yourself now. Mm-hmm. You know, internally, emotionally, and, and then you, 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 your sense of self-esteem lowers even more. Your sense of confidence in yourself lowers yes. even more. And, and, these, and the real fear that a lot of women have as well is that, you know, there's a fear of death. Yes. 
Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a fear of death. There's a fear that more abuse will happen if they yes. decide to leave. Yes. Right? And more abuse does happen right. when a person tries to leave. Wow. And that's what's so scary is because you know that. When you suddenly find yourself, and it's not like when you first met these people, they were like that. Nope. No, you didn't see it that way. They were charming. They're charismatic. They uh, seem to be the center of attention. They gravitate towards you. They say all the right things. They yep. make you feel on top of the world. And so you're swept away mm-hmm. all in all of that. And then slowly the veneer starts to come down. Slowly, all of a sudden, they start chipping away at your exterior and, and start saying things to you that make you feel worse, bad about yourself. They denigrate your character and who you are. And they slowly start chipping away at the very things that they said that they were, loved you for, right? Exactly. And, in fact, a victim's risk of getting killed is greatly increased when they are in the process of leaving or having just left. On average... Three women die at the hands of a current or former inti- intimate partner every day. Every day. What do we need to do as a community, family, friends, coworkers, to ensure the safety of the victims before or when they leave? To believe them. Yes. Yeah. When they take the courage to finally step out and share you have to embrace them. You have to listen to them. And then you have to help come alongside of them. Each story is going to take its own path of what it takes to either leave or bring healing or whatever it needs to be done. And so that's one of the reasons, you know, we've created the You Matter program. We want them to have a place mm-hmm. that they can slowly step out and find out what they need. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when abusers abuse... They, uh, there are some telltale signs. There are some uh, evidence signs of abusers. Can you share with the audience what are some evidence signs uh, of, of abusive behavior, potential warning signs? Their background, how they grew up, what their family life was like. I think that's, that's I've seen it a lot with mm-hmm. several of my girlfriends that have been through this and have been abused. Um, their background mm-hmm. um, not necessarily just their family right. but what they've done um, DUIs assaults felonies all that stuff yeah that's mm-hmm. one of the major things but who's going to really do a background check on somebody to find out first? can you fill this out yeah, I mean, please could you fill this out yeah. Yeah. I'd like to have this filled out you yeah. know <laughs> no we don't have that we don't have no. that luxury no. to be able to do that or uh, and you know, when you first fall yeah. in love, you don't see those things no. because you're caught in the emotion of it, right? There are some some yeah. s- signals. Is there anything else that... Well, I would just say, you know, because you don't always get to know their full background about mm-hmm. somebody. But how they handle situations, conflict, the anger. I mean, there was an incident early in my relationship that I was playing a game with my husband, and I won, and I kind of teased him that, hey, I beat you. And he turned around and put a hole in the wall. That might have been a sign (laughs) that he had anger issues that he needed to learn to deal with that I wasn't aware of or equipped to handle. But by that time, I was already myself in that relationship and didn't know what to do. So there are some things along the way that you can notice. How angry, how do they handle conflict, what kinds of ways Mm -hmm. when you do something that they don't like, 
you need to use your gut too. There is a gut feeling that something's not right. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't feel right, then say something to someone safe. Yeah, I think that's so critical. And, and to being able to trust your gut, to trust that, that intuitive knowing. And we all have it. Yeah. We, we all have that intuitive knowing that says, mm, something's wrong here. Yeah. And you've got to trust that. And listen to your friends and your family. <laughs> yeah. They don't like the person. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if your friends and family can see a lot more than you are because you're so involved right. in this man and, you, you know, everything is him. But you need to listen to others, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, and having, uh, you know, uh, needing to take that advice uh, on some experiences I've had, too. Uh, your, your friends can see things that you can't see. Mm-hmm. You know, they can. Your, your, your family can see things that you can't because you're, you're blinded by love. You're blinded by those yes. emotions and feelings and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so uh, sometimes, you know, we, we need to set aside our, our longing and yearning to be loved and to love in return. To really be able to say, oh my gosh, am I not seeing what the signs are? Yeah. Am I not paying attention to what those signs are? And these are some signs of abusers. Just a few lists here. They, they insist on moving too quickly into a relationship. You'll, be, you'll know them for a month or two and they're all ready to get married. They're all ready to move in. Okay? And you need to have some time to get to know one another. You know, minimum, I would say, six months to a year uh, yeah. before you start making arrangements to start, you know, moving the relationship in that direction. My opinion on that. Yeah. Um, they can be very charming and may seem too good to be true. They insist that you stop participating in leisure activities mm-hmm. or spending time with family and friends. That's a big one. They stop keeping you from being with the people who love you and have been with you your whole life. And they don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to be want to get to know all of the things about you and be get to know the people who have been with you from the moment you were born all the way until you're an adult. That's a big that's a big red flag. They are extremely jealous and or controlling. This is a big one. Big one. If anybody is jealous, get your, you, if, you have, if you have jealous feelings, that's a doorway to all kinds of evil in you and darkness in you and negativity, whatever you want to call it. You've got to get, you've got to get that wrapped up and say, you know what, Let, get, get, get this out of me. And if somebody is jealous about your successes, about your uh, achievements, about your whatever it is, that's a huge red flag. And they want to control and they want to dominate and they want to possess. That is the nature of jealousy, to possess something. I, they have something that I want and I need to take it from them rather than aligning with them and, see, and celebrating in their joy, celebrating in who they are. So that's a big one. They do not take responsibility for their actions. And blame others for everything that goes wrong. They will blame you for everything. It is your fault I do these things. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. They will not take, they have no sense of self-accountability. They can't. All right? That would require too much um, self-accountability. They criticize their partner's appearance, career, lifestyle choices, and make frequent put-downs. And their words and actions don't match. This is a big one. Their words say one thing, their actions yes. do another. Right? Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. 
One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I think he had it right on the spot when he talks about, he says, and, I'll, and then this is his quote, what you do speaks so loud, I cannot hear what you say. Mm-hmm. What you do speaks so loud, I cannot hear what you say. People need to, their words need to match, their, their actions need to match their words. And hopefully their thoughts align with their words, align with their actions. That's what ideally what you want. Now, do you think, uh, Valerie and Tiffany, do you think it's possible for abusers to change? I'd like to believe there is hope for abusers to change. Like you uh, stated, so many abusers were victims themselves Mm -hmm. or suffered some kind of trauma or some kind of life events that caused them to act the way they do. And so for me, there could be hope, but again, the only way someone can truly change is if they recognize their problem and don't want to be like that anymore. And that's a very difficult place to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that there's hope in my marriage and we're working on that because my husband came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. It had a lot to do with our faith, our faith and the fact that, you know, his own relationship with the Lord is what helped him move closer and closer to that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And it helped me in my own personal relationship to know that I didn't need, I didn't need to be subject to that. That wasn't the healthy relationship that God ordained for marriage to look like. Right. And I think that's something I, I, I work with a lot of people who the statistics are staggering. And I can't even imagine the statistics of relationships that don't even go into physical um, acknowledgement of abuse. It's just also being berated verbally and just put down. When you're not being the person that God created you to be, when you don't feel loved, you can't find that in another man either. So I, I think it's both ways. I think it starts with you, but it also starts with them. And if that doesn't happen, you need to get out. Right. Well, I think, it, you know, they can, if, they, if they're truly re- you right. know, repentant, yes. they recognize their, uh, their, their actions. And they uh, also they're given an opportunity yes. that they, that you can separate the problem from the person. Right. Otherwise, they'll they won't have the, that opportunity that of atonement is not possible. Mm-hmm. But they have to be willing to make amends too. Yeah. They have to be acknowledging and yes. be willing to take those steps. They have to. It's got to be followed by action. Sorry is not enough. Right. In those things. Right. Absolutely. And it may take years yes. for them to realize what they did and. They can change. Anybody can change if they want to. Mm-hmm. It has to come from them. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. Um, what would you say? So, you know, sometimes survivors, survivors, uh, you know, it, it's, it's such an interesting psychological, emotional, and spiritual journey. And it really is. Uh, they, they want the abuse to end, but sometimes they don't want the relationship to end. Mm-hmm. And, and they may return to this person that they, you know, because they fell in love with him uh, and, you know, believes his promises will change. It's not easy for anyone to let go of their hopes and dreams uh, that they had with this person, uh, tied to this person. What would each of you say to these survivors who are struggling with wanting to go back to their abuser to give them another mm-hmm. chance? I don't know if there's really anything you can say. I mean, it's up to them. It's their choice, and nobody's yes. going to – nobody can help the victim. 
except that person. Yeah. I mean, their selves. Mm-hmm. It's their choice. They go back, they go back. And as a friend or a family member, you have to support them on whatever they choose. Mm-hmm. Because if you try to fight with them and you try to tell mm-hmm. them, don't go back, don't go back, they'll do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So often yes. we do. <laughs> That's yeah. our nature. We, we, res- right. what we, re- we will fight the people who are telling us to do that. You don't want me to do that? Okay, that's what I want to do. Right. Right. Well, also, they all, I mean, so often we think they need us to get better. Mm-hmm. And we cannot be that person. We are not going to be their savior. We can't. And so I would hope that if they're going back because they feel that person needs them, that we would be able to show them that that person isn't ready for you to be in their life then. You have to let them do their healing process if they say they're willing to do that and see, like you said, you know, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. And if they're not making any action toward healing, then to encourage them to let the process take place Mm -hmm. for the sake of their own lives, the sake of there's children involved. So that's what I would encourage them to do. You know, when I was going through counseling, my counselor, one of my counselors told me that they go through this red wine and red roses and wine, kind of like a woman on her period, (laughs) where they go, they're great. And then all of a sudden they hit a thing. So when they do leave, when they say, okay, I'm leaving and you go, then they're red wine or red roses and wine. They're charming again and they're this and they're that and... And then all of a sudden, a week later, they fall back into who they really were. Mm-hmm. All the time. <clears throat> so often it does. They don't have the internal structures to maintain the, the promises that they, that they speak. And they will try to use any kind of manipulation tactic in order to bring you right. back in. I mean, it's like they're snake charmers, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll they'll yeah, do that, right? right? And so you have to be very, that's that listening to that intuitive yeah. sense, that guidance, that gut feeling that says, Mm-mm, don't do this, right. don't do this. And you've got to trust that. You know, uh, you've got to hear a, a clear yes. If you get a no, that's going to be a contraction. You feel that contraction coming in, that is your soul saying, Mm-mm, don't do this. This is not, because your soul will never lie to you. Yeah. Your ego will. Yeah. Your ego yeah. will lie to you. It will still, you know, it will distort things. It will make all kinds of problems. But your soul will know. And so you have that. Now, we're going to get into your program here in mm-hmm. just a, a quick second. Um, but, you know, you've some, both of you have survived uh, some form of abuse, mm-hmm. um, domestic violence, and um, trauma. And with the utmost respect and courtesy, uh, can you share a little bit of your story uh, with us about what happened? Go ahead, Valerie. <laughs> um, really, my story has to do with the fact that, um, like I said, um, I kind of grew up in a, a situation where I began to let men use me more, and I started lo- losing self-confidence in me or what I needed, and I had holes that I looked for men to fill. Um, even patterns and boyfriends previous to my husband's were either... Um, I, I was hit once and I thought it was my fault. I, I provoked it. But my story mostly has to do with the fact that I needed to find out who I was. Um, my husband, you know, every time he would get mad at something, I would try to fix it. Every time that he would get upset over something, I would say, okay, I won't do that again. And just every time I kept moving to the point where what else can I do, I realized I'm done and I was going crazy because I thought I, I can't do this anymore. Because 
none of it was visible to anybody else but me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, there are so many different forms of abuse out there. Um, mine, like I said, was emotional abuse, but it has to do with the story of I needed to find out who I was and why I was allowing myself to stay here. And when I finally felt confident in me, even though it was hard, um, it allowed me to take a stand to put that right with my husband. And I finally said, I can't do this for you. And if you can't get help, then we're done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow. Taking that line, sometimes yes. you have to be able to esteem yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest things for people to, who are going through any kind of abuse is at some point you have to claim your life, claim your right to existence, claim your right to be free, claim your right to be treated with respect and dignity. Yeah. Utmost. This is very emotional for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just told to talk into the mic, so I have to move forward. Um, so I believe um, mine started in high school. I believe that I chose a boyfriend. Um, for his looks, for his, the way he carried himself, for what he did athletic-wise. And um, I didn't really look back to find out that he, he started the verbal abuse that I didn't know was happening. And I think I continued in my relationships um, until I was in my 20s and I met my um, ex-husband and we dated for a year. Um, there was no signs of emotional, verbal, physical abuse within that year. We had fun. We were in our 20s, and we went out, and we partied, and we enjoyed life. And um, there was a couple incidences where um, he punched me in the nose. Hmm. He um, choked me. He kicked me. Um, after we got married, it got worse. Um, for 10 years actually nine years I dealt with it um, I always thought that God would never forgive me if I got divorced mm. and it kept me there until one day I got strong enough to go see my pastor and it was after the fact that he the second time he pulled a gun on me and told me he was going to either kill mm. me or he was going to kill himself And if I put him in jail, he would kill himself. So the guilt and me wanting to stay to try to help him to become a better person, because I I knew he could be a better person. The drugs, the alcohol, the steroids, all of it. So I went to go see my pastor, and my pastor told me that God will forgive you. There was a lot of adultery in my marriage. Um, The cheating was what would cause the physical. Um, so I decided to leave the first time. Mm-hmm. I left, and then it was the red wine or red roses and wine again, and I went back, mm-hmm. and I was shoved down the stairs. My ribs were broken. My wrist was broken. Um, he tried to tell me not to tell anybody, not to show anybody. But at the time, I had two wonderful guy friends that was a doctor. One of them had a doctor as a dad. And that day when I walked into that clinic, 
and he pulled me aside and asked me what was wrong, I told him. And the cops came to the house, but he wasn't there. Hmm. A week later, he got up, he went to work. I called my mom and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I packed my stuff, took my dogs, and I went to my mom and dad's house. I'm sorry. <laughs> they bring back a lot of memories. <laughs> and again, he tried to get me back, but I became stronger, and I started to find myself, and I knew God would forgive me, and my friends started coming back around. My family was my biggest support. And that's why I'm here today. And I am so thankful that I'm a survivor because I have the best life. I have the best husband and so many family members that supported me and my friends. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for me surviving. And that's why I want to do this for other women because you can survive. You will survive and you will have a better life and you will be happy and you will be stronger. And I hope that my story along with everybody else's story and all my friends that have been through this um, can help others. Yeah. And just do me a favor. Just believe yeah. people. If they yeah. tell you something's going on, please just believe them. Because you may think that guy is a wonderful guy yeah. and he's a good friend and blah, 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 like you said, Charlie, and it's, yeah. it's not true. Yeah. You never know what happens behind closed doors. No, you don't. No. So that's my story. Yeah. Yes. You. <laughs> You're a very courageous, yes. strong, amazing woman. Thank you. To share this story with everybody, I am so sorry you had to go through that. Thank you. Yeah. That's the face of abuse. Mm -hmm. This stuff is real. It really happens. It's not fair. But we have to learn how to be able to move through the things that happen to us. We don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we're going to deal with it. Right. And, uh, oh, my goodness. I am just... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, you are listening to this sh program uh, on the council here on KUHSDenver.com. It's KUHSDenver.com. We are broadcasting uh, all over Colorado, uh, the nation, and all around the world. People are tuning in from every continent, uh, from over 40 countries that we know of, and uh, it's growing. And uh, um, just want to thank all of you for tuning in today to listen to... Uh, these incredible women, these very brave, courageous women. You have come together 
as a consequence of your experiences and your abuse and domestic violence and trauma, and you have formed this nonprofit called Graceful Oaks Youth Ranch. And the, their website is www.gracefuloaksyouthranch.org. That's G-R-A-C-E-F-U-L-O-A-K-S-Y-O-U-T-H-R-A-N-C-H.org. GracefulOaksYouthRanch.org. And it was founded in 2015 and is growing each year by serving children and youth, survivors of emotional and or physical abuse, and families in our community. Could you share with us uh, the, about the Graceful Oaks mm -hmm. and uh, the programs that you offer? Sure. Um, I think really what's key at Graceful Oaks was the vision that the founder and president of the company had, and that was a place for people to come and find emotional healing and safety and um, to come alongside equine, these animals, these magnificent horses that have this strong sense of um, just presence with people. And when you work with them, it helps bring back more confidence with, you know, whether you're a child that's uh, experienced trauma or a woman that experienced trauma, or even a man. I mean, the ranch is open to everybody. Mm -hmm. But the idea of is to bring emotional healing. I mean, our vision statement is to mentor children, to empower youth to lead, to foster emotional healing, and to strengthen families. Mm -hmm. And so we have a variety of programs. Um, specific to what we have been talking about today is the newest program, which is You Matter. Like Tiffany shared, she was able to leave part of it is because she did have family. She did have friends who came back into her life and strengthened her. And I know there are many people out there who don't feel like they have any of that. So You Matter hopefully would be that safe place where you could come and at least take those first steps, where you could be heard, where you could be known, you could be loved and informed. Mm -hmm. It's four tenants are so important because each one of them is what a woman needs to be able to step out. So the programs that we will offer, like a woman, is our certified equine program where they can work with those horses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought it was really fascinating. We were talking about this, how horses have a natural instinct for survival. Mm -hmm. So when they are in a situation where there is a sense of danger, they will flee. They know their boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working with a horse, a woman can help come together to learn boundaries, mm -hmm. to learn that she does, her voice counts, because a horse will respond to that. If they see weakness, they will pull away or they will try their own. But when you are working with a certified equine um, trainer, they help you to learn how to have that voice, mm -hmm. that you have a right. And that horse will start to respond, and that starts to build confidence in each person. Wow, that's amazing. That's uh, really because, uh, you know, horses, uh, there was another group that I had on, on the show <laughs> that was dealing with the same thing. It's uh, uh, Horses for Heroes out in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Nancy DeSantis and uh, yes. uh, uh, Rick Iannucci uh, out there, and they yeah. work with vets doing the same yes. kind of a thing using equine therapists. Right. They, they just this, have this magnanimity yes. and presence about them. And calming this, they're such a, they're a, they combine both power and gentleness. Yes. I mean, and, and, there's, and that's something, of just being around them. Right. Calms the system down. You're, you're totally present. They're totally the in a present moment. You're just present. Yeah. You know, there's no worry about what happened and no um, 
anxiety about what's to come. You're just present and being able to be with them. Mm -hmm. And that just builds into people something that they haven't felt in a long time, especially when you're you know, experiencing domestic violence. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the, uh, the, the, the steps to healing the, uh, domestic violence? You, you know, you, you identify those four tenets. Right. <clears throat> they are, again, um, be heard, be informed, be known, and be loved. And so those are the four tenets. So when you're, when you're beginning the process of working with somebody who's re yeah. coming out of a domestic violence, sexual abuse, child sex trafficking that's going on, which is another whole topic yeah. to discuss, uh, and you're bringing someone in, what are some of the first steps that you use to help facilitate that healing process? Well, some of the first steps we want is for people to acknowledge that they need help. Someone else brings them there. It could be a parent who brings a child who's been bullied. It could be, you know, a friend who brings a woman who needs help. Or it could be just someone who hears about the program. But the first step is to, to step out. Yeah. You have to know that you need help, that you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. And so that first step is to sit with someone and find out what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Because the program isn't designed to go down one path for, one, for the masses, but to be designed for that person. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to be them so that would be some of the first steps then we begin to work with them we realize that this program isn't a counseling session so we're not going to say that this is going to be this only place you need to be mm -hmm. you also need counselors you need people who will bring healing you've been through a lot but this can also be another way to um, enact on the healing process mm -hmm. well and having that sense of community yes such a critical yes. critical critical right. critical component because like you were describing, Tiffany, in your story, my gosh, you feel like it's just happening to you. Yes. And then you're, you're ashamed to talk about it. Right. You're fearful. You're, you're worried that you, uh, more by, yes. uh, by stim triggering or, or trying to, de to defend yourself, you're going to get more abuse. And so you, you distance yourself from the mm -hmm. people that can actually help you. And so all of a sudden you become very isolated mm -hmm. and alienated from the very people who can do something for you. And so coming out... And it is so important, I believe, for the survivor uh, to find their voice, yes. to find their voice and to be able to share their story. And it's not easy. And, you, and, and I think this is, one of the, this is one of the foundational principles in the veteran work that I do in helping them to overcome the traumas of war is to letting them have a chance mm -hmm. to be able to be witnessed without shame and without judgment right. uh, in the company of other people who are either survivors or who get it who understand, and so that they don't have to carry that shame, right. that guilt all on their own. Yeah. You know, the, 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 uh, empathy is the greatest antidote towards shame. It will, it, it, shame cannot survive empathy. And so is, it, is this similar for survivors of domestic um, abuse and trauma? Yes. Is it the same? Yes. Yeah. Very yes. Nice. And a lot of the same steps. We have a, an incredible story of a, a young girl who was sex trafficked and was brought out of it. And when she came to the ranch to work with um, a certified trainer, would not even look at that person in the eye and had this, like, would not speak very well much and just was so closed and so distant. And over the process of working with the trainer and working with the horse mm -hmm. and knowing that she can have hope, 
um, she was able to slowly but surely build up that self-confidence. And by the end of some of her sessions, she was speaking. She was looking at you. She was able to say, I have a, I have a future. I have plans. Mm -hmm. And there was such a difference in her. And, yeah, one of the things we truly believe is we want anyone to come to the ranch. We want anyone who's suffering to experience this opportunity. You know, personally, we are a faith-based organization. Mm -hmm. We believe Jesus Christ is the one who completes that, com that healing fully. Mm -hmm. But it starts with people who want to model Christ to them, yeah. who want to be his hands and feet. So that's what um, every person who works there, we want to love on you. Yeah. We want to let you know you're accepted for just who you are, and the animals also reflect that for you. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Jesus is the great cosmic healer, mm -hmm. yes. you know, and so it's important to, you must have some kind of spiritual foundation, and your, yours happens to be rooted in Jesus yes, Christ. Yes, it is. Uh, there are other people who don't yeah. have that faith, right? right? Do would you take in and welcome somebody who doesn't have though that yes. and not try to convert them, but just nope. bring them here to have them to have that unity, that community, that connection with the animals and, yes. and having that place where they can call a refuge, you know, yes. a harbor that they get a quiet harbor, a safe harbor for them to come to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what we do is we do what we do because we love people the way Christ loved us. Mm -hmm. We just want to love on people. Yeah. We're not asking you to have to be converted. We're not asking anything. We just want you to come there for the healing that you need. Mm -hmm. In the process, we pray that you would be able to know the unconditional love of Jesus. But we're not going to say that that is if you don't get there, you're done. No, we love them and yeah. we want them because that's exactly what Jesus did. He just came and loved on the least of these mm -hmm. and showed unconditionally that they were accepted yes. and they were beautifully created. And each person um, has this worth in the eyes of God. We yeah. want that worth to shine in them. I agree. And it's, so, it's such an important thing to have faith and trust and yes. hope. And believing that uh, there is a, a larger part of you that is greater and, and, and more cared for and more and, and cherished just the way you are and and it's without faith without having faith in something whether it's following jesus christ whether it's following buddha whether it's following uh lao tzu whether whatever it may be that you have a, a path that connects you to something greater than yourself that you are divinely connected that all life breathes together that what is in one is in the whole I mean, these are deep mystical truths that are underlie every religious faith. These were the te these were the underlying teachings of the great teachers, they're the laws that, that that govern everything, and they're there. And being able to connect that within you is such an important part in any healing. You've got to have that. You've yes. got to have those things. Um, these these principles, faith and trust and hope, they're just they're critical to the healing process. Mm -hmm. And they're three main graces. They form the core mm -hmm. language of God. And without them in you, you can't heal a thing. You just can't. So how do you help build trust, a survivor to build trust in herself again so that she doesn't repeat the same mistakes? Repeating the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a hard one. Um, it takes months. It takes years to trust somebody. Mm -hmm. um, being a survivor, it's taken me a very long time to trust my husband. Um, he can attest to that. <laughs> um, 
And, and her, her her husband's a wonderful man. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I know him very personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've for a very um, long time. So. And he's still to this day. Why did you stay? Um, I don't, don't put me in his shoes. Don't, you know, why do you say that? Or why do you act like that? Or, um, trust is a hard thing to come by um, with anybody. It's not just your partner. It's friends. It's family. It's even animals. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it takes a long time to trust, Mm -hmm. but you have to know that you're a survivor. You're survived. Your life is moving on. Things are going to get better. Happiness is around the corner, and one day you'll look back and be like, wow, I can't believe that was me. I can't believe I put myself through that mm-hmm. because I am stronger now, and trust comes. Mm-hmm. It comes. It comes back. The love that you want, you, f- you will find it. Yeah. I think it's a moment-by-moment thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you first have to learn to trust yourself. Yes. Yeah. You, you first have to be able to trust that you can do, you, you know, you can take care of yourself. You need to love yourself. You need yes. to love yourself. You need to be able to take mm-hmm. little steps that help you to get more confidence. You know, I, I really truly believe how we get out of the, uh, the being a victim is the antidote is self-esteem. Because mm-hmm. you've got to esteem yourself every day, trusting I can do this. Yes. I can get through this. I don't have to, and always when something, when your relation, when somebody in a new relationship triggers you, and recognizing, okay, wait, is this what this person's doing, or is it has something to do with what happened in the past? Mm -hmm. And really, you have to do that moment by moment, day by day, as it's coming up, so that you can start to release that that pain and start kind of integrating those, so that oh, wait a second, this is not that person. This has to do with what happened to my past. And that's, a, that's a, you know, you have to, it's a process. Yeah. And you were just mentioning something, which leads into my next question, Tiffany, is that do you think it's very difficult for women who've been abused to be able to form a healthy relationship with a healthy, kind, loving man? Mm-hmm. Are there obstacles to overcome, and what are they? Let's see. Um that's a big question. Yeah, it is. That's a big question. <laughs> I, 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 I was something. <laughs> no softball. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, let's see. I'm 12 year survivor, and it's taken me 12 years to finally find myself. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, any you can survive anything. <laughs> No matter what is thrown in your way, no matter what goes on in your life, you can survive anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just want to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with uh, when people have been um, in abusive relationships, it's like it's you know I, I was in a sh- I was in a play, my friend, uh, and we did this. It was I was it was called the Good Boyfriend, right? And I was a good boyfriend. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. So sometimes I have it, you know, and I'll admit, but I, you know, most of the time I've, uh, I tried, I really wanted to be, you know, and, uh, but. You're a good person, I already know that. (laughs) That will help, thank you. Um, But anyway, it was, uh, and and in the the monologue, it was a monologue play, and uh, the the woman that I was uh, in the, in the story, it was a 45 minute monologue, and in the story, I, I was in a relationship with a woman who had been, who had been raped, and how difficult it was to be able to form this relationship with her and how we would work and how 
she couldn't handle it and, and, and would have to push away and couldn't open up. And, and again, it was the rescuer kind of thing. I'm going to go save this person. And ultimately, it didn't work out. And I was just, you know, I, I think it's really important for people to try to recognize that, you know, there are good people out there. There are kind-hearted men out there. There are men who have, are gentle and strong and will be able to embrace and, and, and give you the love that you deserve. You just can't take out on them what happened yeah. to you in the other relationships. And that's a step-by-step -step thing that you have to do, yeah. I think. Well, and you have to be open and honest with your partner. Yes. You mm -hmm. have to be, you have to tell them about your past, mm -hmm. you know, and if they accept it, you can move on with them because there's some people that won't accept it yeah. and be like, well, you've got too much baggage. I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, but as soon as a woman feels safe and knows that that partner can uh, be there for her and trust her and move forward and she has problems once in a while <laughs> you know don't we all yeah <laughs> you know yeah. yeah and i would say don't do it alone no mm -hmm. don't do it alone yeah. because it is hard i mean we just we weren't meant to walk this world alone we were meant to walk it in relationships yes. so any kind of relationship any kind of yeah so find a healthy one that can help also help you know that and then get the counseling or whatever it is that helps you to have that next healthy relationship mm -hmm. and having family around yeah. yeah having your friends around having that a, a healthy structure if you have yeah. a healthy structure around that that can help to heal mm -hmm. you know the, the person yeah. as well yeah. you know and so being able to recognize if there's if you have that that's right. a that's a treasure right. that's an absolute treasure and to be able to help each other out so that we can make those bonds right and feel safe with each other. And, and so that the, the love that's inside, everybody, you wanna feel, you wanna love in such a way that the person you love feels free. Yeah. You wanna love in such a way that the person you love feels free. Yeah. Not a prisoner, not a bird in a cage, not, 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 not in anything like that. And that takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith. Could you share a few success stories before, I mean, I can't believe we're almost at the end of the program. <laughs> it goes by so fast. Uh, some of the success stories that you've had with some of the women that have been a part of this program uh, who've reclaimed that hope that they've lost? Well, as I mentioned, the woman having to deal with uh, in sex trafficking, to mm -hmm. come out of that horrific situation. We have seen that in that young woman. We have also seen it in a young man who came out who had been feeling like he didn't belong anywhere, mm -hmm. that he didn't fit in. There's so many young people today who are experiencing being on the outside mm -hmm. and bullied. And yet when he got to the ranch and became part of our Empowering Youth Program and began to see that his skills could help other people and began to contribute and began to find in himself um, gifts and talents that he could share, mm -hmm. it was it was such an amazing story. It not only brought healing to him, but to his whole family oh. because his family was so worried about him. And now they're watching their son blossom and contribute and do things at the ranch um, as a leader. Oh. And it, it's a beautiful picture. And that's what we hope to do, not only just for women, but for youth and mm -hmm. people who want to come and experience that. Uh, how can people out there help a friend or a family member who's experienced uh, abuse or domestic violence? What can they do? Talk with them. Yeah. Give them guidance. Um, yeah. Look into programs like ours. Yes. 
um, you know, go to counseling with them. Right. Even go talk to a pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a priest or a rabbi. Yeah, rabbi or, or whoever. Whoever. <laughs> yeah. Bring the spiritual element into it. Bring mm-hmm. it in. And be aware that, you know, we, you want to be in a safe place for that, too, mm-hmm. and know that the people you're going to talk to are going to hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's my big passion is that um, we look at the Word of God to bring healing and to look at it appropriately for these for situations. So I know many people who have seen the Word of God keep them, like you even said, you were afraid of divorce. Yeah. So um, when you do that, make sure you choose people that will listen to you and help you along mm-hmm. the way. And if you are a friend that is there for them, don't leave their side. No, do not leave their side. Just be by them. Yeah. Stand by them if, yes. if you see it happening. Get, let them know that uh, they have an anchor that yes. they can lock into yeah. and they can count on. Uh, how can people and survivors find you? Where are you located? And how can they donate to your cause? Yeah. Well, um, I don't have the address off the top of my head, but we are located in like the Frederick Decono area off of Highway 52 to the east of I-25. But the easiest way to find us is to go to our website or our Facebook page, okay. which you gave so clearly. So that was our website. But we have a great Facebook page that shows our stories, activities, programs too. Okay. So that again is www. GracefulOaksYouthRanch.org. Yes. So it's Graceful Youth o- Graceful Oaks Youth Ranch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, you know, before I ever before I close our show, I always ask my guest. Um, this has been amazing. I can't. Uh, you are both extraordinary women. Thanks. Extraordinary. Uh, I love what you're giving to the community. Uh, this is such a blessing. Uh, you're going to help so many women. Out there, and, and children, and, and yes. who have been affected by uh, the, the the sex trade that's yes. going on, trafficking, and uh, and men as well. Right? Yes. You're, you're helping yes. men as well. So, yeah. uh, I always ask my guests before uh, we close out the show: mm-hmm. Is there, if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Um, I I mentioned this in our conversation, but I honestly believe it starts with realizing that you cannot save another person. Or change them. Or change them. You cannot. We always think we can. We think we can love them through change. We can submit enough through change, whatever it is. But in reality, that just leads into prolonged abuse in that I would pray that you would realize that. And for their health as well as your own. Mm -hmm that you would try to step out of that rescue or remote role. Yeah, that's one. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That you can survive. Yes. Yeah. And don't do it in silence. Be able to step out. That when you're living that and pretend it doesn't exist on the outside to other people, break that silence. Yeah. Break it. you got to break that silence. I agree. You, uh, our secrets is what makes us sick. Yes, it is. You know, we've got to let, we've got to open those caverns, you know. And, and quite frankly, the people who have abused and, and hurt us, if, they don't, if we don't break, those, break our secrets out, they actually don't get to initiate their process right. of healing right. either because they've been, uh, they don't have to face the truth. And we have to face the truth on these things. Even if it hurts immensely. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It does. Yeah. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Thank, thank you for you having so us. Thank you so much for being here having having us. on oh, the thank show. You. Charlie, can I say one thing? Sure. Um, April 27th at the ranch from 1 to 2.30, we were going to have a You Matter, um, I guess, a program. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's our second one. We had an opening day about a month ago. Okay. So, so yeah. it's April 27th. 27th. April 27th. Is that a Saturday? Saturday? Yes. From what time to what time? 1 to 2.30. So 1 to 2.30, April 27th at uh, Graceful Oaks Youth Ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Folks, thank you so much for being on the council today. Yeah. I want to leave you with one little quick thing, and I think this is appropriate for our conversation today. And it's a, it's a book that I have. It's called Prayers for Healing. It's uh, 365 days of these different prayers. And uh, I think, uh, I think they'll, you'll like this one. Refuse to fall down. If you cannot refuse to fall down, refuse to stay down. If you cannot refuse to stay down, lift your heart toward heaven. And like a hungry beggar, ask that it be filled and it will be filled. You may be pushed down. You may be kept from rising. But no one can keep you from lifting your heart toward heaven, only you. It is in the middle of misery that so much becomes clear. The one who says nothing good came of this is not yet listening. Mm -hmm. Refuse to fall down, folks. Thank you, KUHS Denver, for uh, hosting the council and for giving us the platform here in Denver. Uh, Thank you, Henry, so much for all that you do for us here at the studio. Thank you for you, for uh, the viewers of the council who are watching all over the world. Really appreciate you being here. We will be back on next week uh, in Las Vegas, uh, bringing in all kinds of energy healers and new people onto the show that are uh, working to awaken humanity. And uh, hopefully you'll be with us uh, next week. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Council is adjourned. (laughs) Thank you very much, folks, and God bless. Thank you, folks, on the international camera for tuning in to the council. We will be back next week, next Friday, for another great show. Tune in to the council right here on KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. See you next week.